0: Exploring the Word of God together allows us to share in the joy that comes from discovering the words of hope and salvation which overflow from our Bibles. Upper Room Media presents to you this educational, enlightening, and entertaining Bible study. Prepare to be transformed. In the name of the Father and Son the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll continue our study in the Song of Songs. We are chapter 5, verse 3. Just to remind you, the Song of Songs is the most beautiful song. It is the relationship between the human soul and God. And we said there are three clear stages in the book of Song of Songs. The first one, what we call the initial grace, when God came to the human soul. And then what got the soul out of this initial grace was discouragement and uh, ignorance. And in the second stage, when the soul started running after God uh, and desiring Him, what got the soul to kind of fall behind was laziness. After the soul overcome laziness, Then the soul was married to God. What does it mean married to God? Imagine a married couple, they are committed to each other. All day long they are committed in their effort, their dreams, they are building the same things. Now the last stage we reached was what happens after marriage is that the soul main warfare became lukewarmness. What is lukewarmness? Imagine if there's a difficult husband or a difficult wife, but they think they're a good wife and a good husband. They yell and scream in the house, but they feel they have the right to do so. They are doing mistakes, but don't realize that they're making mistakes. Lukewarmness is exactly that stage where somebody thinks they love God, but they they don't understand how far away they are from God. That's why, when in the, if you guys remember in verse uh, one, in verse two, she said, I sleep, but my heart is awake. She's telling, she's telling God this, God, you know, I don't pray, but I love you. I don't fast, but you're always on my mind. That's kind of the mindset. It's like you say something, but your action and your life does not express it. And that becomes a significant problem. Last time we stopped at at, uh, verse 3, when God was standing at the door knocking, He's knocking on the heart of the soul. Come, I want to take you. What time is God coming to the soul? He's coming at an unexpected time. She's sleeping in her bed. You know, it's like, for example, you're on vacation, and you see somebody that needs service. You're like, man, I'm on vacation. This is a time for me. It's my self-love time. But God is calling you at some time, on the time where you're dedicating for yourself to do something special. The God is knocking on the door, but the soul does not open. What is she saying? Verse 3, she says, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I washed my feet. How can I defile them? God is saying, open for me. And by the way, the image that God has put for us in this specific verse, He says, I'm standing and it's raining outside. I want to come and find comfort in you. And then the human soul will tell Him what? Tell Him, I'm sorry. I can't get up off my bed. I can't leave my phone. I have to text in the church. I can't focus on my Bible reading. I get really bored. God says, I, I want to talk with you. You know, lukewarmness is, is, is problematic because it's a difference between me identifying sins and me being transformed. It's a huge difference. As difference if you go into Abuna and says, Abuna, I lie, I, I get angry, I, I, I. That's okay fine but there is a moment when God transforms the soul I give you an example one time long time ago I took a group with me to Africa before I was a priest and one of the youth that was with us disappeared together for a few hours during lunch he came back, and his eyes are red, as it can be. I asked him, everything okay? He said, look, something pulled me up to go to the chapel. He told me I was sitting in the presence of God and as if God showed me how every decision I made was out of my selfishness, every decision. Even when I tried to convince people that I'm loving, deep inside, I was doing it out of selfishness. Every part of me is so selfish. So I kept crying of how unworthy I have felt. There are some people that every look and every thought that comes into their head is judgmental. Judging, 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 judging constantly. To the point that they don't understand that they are judging anymore. They become so lukewarm in the relationship with God. So lukewarm. Because they don't see God anymore. They think they're good. They think they're fine. God talks in Christianity about a narrow path. If I'm not constantly taking that narrow path, most likely I'm living a life of lukewarmness. What happens when God is standing at the door Knocking, and the soul doesn't open and it's raining and God wants to come and spend time with you the Bible will tell us but I want to before the Bible tell us this imagine if the, if the soul have opened at that moment the door to God some of the saints describe when the Lord have revealed to them His actual prayer in Gethsemane And some have seen the heart of God. God loves all of us the same. But a wise child grows in the knowledge of God because he has that accessible to him. So then, what she says, she says, My pl- my beloved, tired of standing outside, put his hand not tired in the human sense, but tired of the rejection of the soul. Put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. Be careful. God and the soul are married at this point, but God still did not enter without the permission of the soul in the east the key to the door used to be like a piece of wood with nails that will fit exactly the hole you opened they did not have all the fancy keys that we have the key to the soul was what a piece of wood with nails that was the key To the door. So, I, one of the Western saints said something beautiful. She said, I was reflecting on how much God had suffered and on how great was the love He had shown for us. And on the fact that we still do not believe that God loves us so much. We do not believe that God loves us so much. Oh, Jesus, who can understand this? What suffering it is for our Savior how much God suffers for this for the fact that we don't realize how much he loves us imagine if your own parents see you feeling that they don't love you how can he convince us of his love she's asking how can God convince us of his love if even his death cannot convince us if the death of God cannot convince you and me of God's love what can I called upon the whole heaven to join me in making amends to the Lord for the ingratitudes of certain souls. God, when a heart refuses God, what does God do? God goes to carry the suffering of the soul. Be careful because the sign of lukewarmness is clear when God comes at an unexpected time. I am putting a schedule, I'm putting a plan. If God comes outside my schedule, He's not welcome. If God comes outside my planned time, I'm not going for it. I have to love him according to my my time. That's why the Lord sometime would resort to the cross to show us how much he loves us. Now look at here, she said, once he left, I started yearning for him. What is that moment that made the soul yearn for God? St. Gregory of Nesta says, once all the senses have been put to sleep and gripped by inaction, the heart's action is pure. Reason look above while it remains undisturbed and free from the senses' movements. So when does the soul realize the yearns for God? When? all the senses are sleeping. I'm no more hungry for food. I'm no more want entertainment. I don't want to sleep too much. I don't want to eat, to eat my chicken sandwich. I don't want to have lustful thoughts. Once all the senses are gone, sleeping, the heart will still yearn. And You know, when St. Gregory said this, I wondered At what point of our day does our senses sleep? Because in our life they never do. We constantly have our phones with us which make our senses never sleep. For the heart to start yearning for God. Yearning is what start waking the soul up. What does she say? Verse 5. She says, I arose to open for my beloved. Finally, she decided to open. Okay. And my hands dripped with mirror. My fingers with liquid mirror on the handles of the lock. Finally, the soul realized that I need to take an action. I no longer can say I am a good person, I love God, I do all this stuff. No longer I can do this. I have to take an action. I have to rise from my laziness. So what did she do? She actually took myrrh and she said what? She put it on her hands. And actually it was a common practice in the East. The, uh, the, the nicest way for a bride to meet her groom is to put mirror on especially the back of her hands because it's the coolest part of the body. So she's kind of keeping the coolest part warm. So it's almost like an expression of all the coldness in our hearts become warm to start seeking God again. One of the biggest mistake that we do in our spiritual life is that we start using technical term and as if these technical terms become an excuse for us to stop seeking God. Like, oh, I'm in lukewarm, oh, I'm in dry period, oh, I am in this period. And then what? Then what? Is that okay? It is not okay. Dry period is not designed for you to say, okay, I'm in dry period, let's just keep going with my life. That's not why God designed dry right period for you. It's almost like if a school put you on probation, like I'm on probation, it's gotta be back next semester. Well, I have to work hard. So here, she's turning in the cool part of her into warmness. And actually, mirror represents repentance. Mirror represents repentance, okay? and. Our repentance basically is kind of almost what anoints or what kind of washes the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you guys remember in Luke 22:44 it says his head was filled with the drops of night. When Jesus was standing in the Gethsemane his head was filled with the drops of night. Screaming like over him, and suffering, and in difficulties, and then she says, "What did she say?" She took she took the hands and she which is stripping the, the the mirror, and she put it on the handles of the rock of the of the lock. What is the handles of the rock? The the lukewarmness that, clo- that that caused the heart to be closed for God. So she started to, to say, you know what, I have built so many walls between me and God, let me open. How do I open it? Gregory of Nessa says, interesting, she said, she says that Mir did not come into her hands for any other source. If it were so, Mir would mean something accidental. Rather, her hands dropped Mir, meaning a voluntary mortification of her bodily passions. So how did she open the door to get out of her prison of that dark room that she's in? She started to practice self-control of the body. She started to say, I can no longer eat without limits. I can no longer sleep without limits. I can no longer binge watch everything without limits. I must mortify the passions of the body the lust of the body. And that's how a human can open a door for the Lord to intervene inside. How did she, by the way, how did the soul get this mirror that made her cover her hands and open the door? One of the fathers said, the mirror was actually, remember God said, I was he put his latch and lift. She said when she touched the, the latch where the Lord was, it was from his hands that she got this mir. And we said, what did we say about the, 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 the hands of the, the, the key that in the, in, the, in the Lord's hand? It's the cross. It's almost like what drives us, the human, to truly Care up of our our laziness is to be in touch with the wounds of God. People do not utilize the wounds of the Lord as a driving force for love and repentance. What do people utilize as driving force for repentance? Number one, guilt. I feel guilty. I feel guilty, so I run and go back, so I don't want to deal with guilt. As if almost my repentance is for me to feel good about myself. The wounds of the Lord makes me fall in love with Him. Not just makes me repent. the difference between a married couple, a guy or the husband or wife will be like, okay, you know what? We're fighting over the trash. I'll take the trash out. The difference between the husband falling in love with his wife. This is important. When we are weak, all the saints have ran to the cross. When you cannot forgive, you must run to the cross. When you lack mercy, when you feel down, when you feel up, When you feel hopeless, when you feel hopeful, all found in the cross, it is where God is. And this becomes a source of great love for the Lord. She said, I opened for my love. Now she's opened the door to see God. Where did he go? My love had turned away and was gone. My heart leaped up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. You know, God is standing at the door for a while, knocking on the door. Open for me, my beloved. Open for me. It's raining. I want to come and talk to you. No, no, no. It's not your time now. No, no, no. It's not your time now. Then at some point, you will get up to talk to him. But you will not find him. people forget that sometime God will withdraw himself from us. Look what it said in Jeremiah. It says, have you not brought this on yourself in that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he had led you in the way? Your own wickedness will correct you and your own backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God and the fear of me is not in you says the Lord of hosts. They forsook God when? At the time of rest when everything was going well. The worst time when people have a spiritual life, summer time, vacation time, honeymoon time, bachelor time, but party, all this stuff, this is when the weakest spiritual life comes. Why? Time of rest. I'm resting, God you're not welcome when I'm resting. People forsake God when they have no problems. No problems. Anxious when they have no worries. They run after the world and they want to take an image of self-righteousness. That's why God withdraws himself. So he can understand the reality. No one in this world will comfort us except the one true God. My beloved turned away and was gone." She no longer feel his presence. He's turning away for a purpose. It's like almost the life of David the prophet. When he committed sin and he've done all this stuff, what happened when David committed a terrible sin? What did he do? Nothing. He went on being a king as if nothing has happened until God sent him a prophet. And when God sent him a prophet, he started to repent. And after he prayed for his son, that God told him, I will punish you with the death of the son, God did not respond. But there's a difference in the absence of God when the soul is lukewarm. What is it? Because it's important for us to distinguish the three stages that we talked about. When the soul is lukewarm, the soul have had experiences with God. So she's no longer doubting his existence. So she's no longer doubting that he wants her back. she also becomes slowly after she gets out of this lukewarm state, aware of her sin. And this absence of God is an invitation for the soul to become humbled and to become thankful for the graces it has received that's why in the psalms he says i would have lost heart this is david the uh, david the prophet unless i had believed that i would see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living at some point david said i could have lost hope but I knew who God is. In the period of lukewarmness, the soul started to remember who God is. The God who ran after her. The God who knocked at the door. The God, the God who saw the soul sinning in front of his own eyes, yet he went to reach to her. When the soul took the image of God and polluted it, now, God says, I will not answer. I will draw myself for a reason. I want you to understand. I want you to be humbled. I want you to desire more. I want you to not to trust in yourself more. The biggest issue of lukewarmness is self-trust. People say, ah, oh, you know what? I got the spiritual life figured out. What is it? Pray akbaya Bible, liturgy, got it done. No problem. What is it? That's it? That's all you want me to do? as if it is a problem that we're trying to solve. St. Gregory of Nesta says something beautiful. He said, "The the bride says, I sought him but I found him not. How can the bridegroom be found when he does not reveal anything of himself? He has no color, form, quality, quantity, place, appearance, evidence, comparison or resemblance. Rather, everything we can discover always transcends our comprehension and completely escapes our search. Therefore, the bride says, I have sought him, but my soul's capacities of reflection and understanding, by my soul's capacity of reflection and understanding, he completely transcends them and he escaped my mind when it drew near to him. He's basically saying, the soul have been searching God with its own abilities, but he transcends them. I was reading to uh, one of the life of the saints, and this saint was asking God, she told him, Lord, there are some virtues that I would like to pursue. And the Lord responded and told her, I promise you, at some point, I will make so many virtues close to you. But the one virtues that I want you to have are still unknown to you. The virtues that I want you to have are still unknown to you. We no longer want to depend on ourselves and our relationship with God. The secret of the spiritual life is to be a disciple, to be a student, to be led by the Spirit, to let God lead you every day as He wishes. Welcome Him anytime He comes. The period of lukewarmness is a hard period, but what happens, God leaves the soul so it desires him. Now I'm going to tell you something that might, you might not like, but it's a very, very special relationship. There are two different types of faith in the period of lukewarmness. There's a faith that is weak and there's a faith that is stronger. Was the weak faith, when people's faith are weak, but they're seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, they would receive immediate comfort. Believe it or not. It's like the story in Luke, and she said when the woman came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her, her flow of blood stopped. She had faith, little faith, not so much. She received an immediate comfort when she was searching for God. But some people had very strong faith in God. Very strong faith in God. Very strong relationship with God. When those people fall into lukewarmness, God delays His comforts. Delays it more. And this reminds us of the story of the Canaanite woman. And behold, a woman of Cana came... From that region and cried out to him saying Have mercy on me O Lord son of David My daughter is severely Demon possessed And what did God tell her I cannot take the food of the children And give it to dogs Faith Will determine How quickly God would respond But it's not what we think It's not those with great faith God responds to them quickly, it's actually the vice versa. The beautiful thing about this human soul that becomes perfect and becomes married to God fully is that she continues to be committed to God. She opened the door, she got out of her bed, she opened the door, she couldn't find him. What is she doing? Running crazy. She was the watchman who went about the city, found me. They struck me, they wounded me, the keepers of walls took my veil away from me.. Rabbi. If you guys remember who were the watchmen? In the earlier chapters, we said the watchmen were the priests. And earlier in her early stage of life, when she could not find the Lord, she went to the priest, immediately she became healed. Now what's happening? Saint Augustine is given two different explanations. He says, when the soul is in a stage of lukewarmness, sometime the Lord would allow a rebuke coming from the fathers of the soul. If you look in the... In Psalm 141 verses, Let the righteous, this is, this is David speaking, Psalm 141, Let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Sometime when people are lukewarm, to get them out of the lukewarm, they need to be shaken. One person shared a story with me, I'll share it with you. He told me, I went to confess. He went to confess to one of his fathers. And he's been with his father for a long time. He knows him for a long time. For he told me I was going back to Egypt, for I wanted to confess. For he confessed. Then his father of confession felt that he's not serious about his confession. so he told him, why did you come? I told him, I wanted to confess. His father of confession told him, Well, Judas confessed his sin. What makes you different than Judas? What makes your confession different? Sometime we need a wake up call. When I'm lukewarm, sometime I need that rebuke, that shaken up. What happened to you? Because the person who is lukewarm thinks that he's good. Thinks he knows what he's doing. And then the veil that he says, and took my veil away from me, this is the veil of pride. That when somebody is rebuked, they start kind of that veil where they cover themselves up and trying to look righteous and trying to look good is taken away by rebuke. And many of the fathers of the church have, have especially in monastic life, have enjoyed the sport of discipleship, of rebuke at some moment so God can... Uh, guide them. You guys remember the very famous story of Saint Arsenius, right? Saint Arsenius, he was a, you know, very rich man coming to become a monk. And then when he would eat beans, he would pick the good ones and leave the bad ones aside. You guys remember the story? And then, so basically whenever he eat beans, he would eat the good beans and the bad beans, he will separate them. So then the abbot of the monastery arranged with a monk. He told him, sit next to Arsenius and do exactly what he's doing. And then, and then that monk obeyed, and then the abbess slapped him in the face. And arsenius said, this slap is for you, Arsenius For some time, God does allow for rebuke, especially when I am lukewarm, especially when I'm deceived by myself. Saint Augustine said, it also could reflect to the clergy or the priest who persecuted our Lord Jesus Christ at the time of the crucifixion, or the clergy throughout history who have not followed or were not faithful in leading the human soul to God. And you see this obviously in, uh, in, uh, in Luke 21:12, you shall be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. The leaders of the people would actually persecute the children of God. This is what happened in the time of Jesus. For Saint Augustine says both of these interpretations could work. I am kind of leaning toward the first one, which is God allows our fathers to rebuke us sometime so we can wake up and can make us repent. And sometime, obviously, throughout history, God have allowed for fathers who are not faithful to still be part of. Uh, of the ministry like judas for example was somebody that god called but he was not faithful and many many people like for example eli the priest he was not faithful with correcting his children and so on there's many priests in the scripture were not faithful and god still allowed them to be uh, there so it could be that uh, sometime this kind of uh, clergy harm the soul and wound the soul and, and sometimes if it comes when the, when the person is in a state of lukewarm, it becomes even more problematic. But to go along with the song, most likely the first interpretation fits better. Now, after the priest rebuked her, the priest rebuked the soul and talked to her about the bride, what she's doing? He says, I charge you, daughter of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am love sick.'" What is she doing here? Remember who are the daughter of Jerusalem? We said these are the ones who are followers of Christ, the saints. So people say, where are the intercession of the saints come? Right here, daughter of Jerusalem. If you find my beloved, tell him that I am sick. You know, what is this doing? It's humbling the soul. Remember, what did she used to say, the daughter of Jerusalem? She's telling him, shh, be quiet. He's with me, he's sleeping in my heart. Now she's saying, you know what? I can barely hear him. Can you pray for me? Because people say, why, when you can't talk to Jesus, why can't you just reach Jesus all the time? But spiritual life is not linear. And there are some times where, the, where God wants us to go ask others to pray for us to be humbled. One of the saints, she said, I rejoice greatly at the fact of how much the saints think of us and how closely we are united with them. With oh, the goodness of God, how beautiful is the spiritual world that already here on earth we can communicate with the saints. Obviously, inquiry may, may make her become humbled, but also expresses her state. You guys know, uh, if you look at Luke twenty three twenty seven, what does it say? It's a subtle verse. But it says, And a great multitude the people followed him, and the woman also mourned and lamented him. So if you think when Jesus was walking, People walking behind him. But who's in the back? A lot of the women who mourned. She's like in a repentant state. I'm no longer in the front. I no longer feel I'm in the front. I have become lukewarm. He came to knock on my door and I, I rejected him. I'm lamenting with the woman in the back. And by the way, this is part of the tradition of the church and the old church, like what they would have, like a group in the back would be like repenting. Or people would be standing in the back and they, for example, if they're not taking communion. She says, tell them, tell them, tell, tell him. So she's asking the saints to intercede for her. She's admitting her weakness, she's admitting the fact that she have betrayed her beloved. And he has the right not to answer her. Because she is love sick. See, she's in love with God. And it's like, reminds you of people in the Bible who are, like their love to God was just amazing. Like Zacchaeus, sinful woman washing his feet people who, Samaritan women, people who easily give up everything just because they fell in love with God. Just because they fell in love with God. Some people, you sit with them and you might wonder, is everything with them about God? Yes. Everything is about God. Is every conversation I'm going to have should lead to God? 100%. Why not? What's more valuable in this world? What else can you bring to yourself? Who can make a hair gray or black? Let's take one more verse. Now look what the daughter of Jerusalem told her. What is your beloved more than another beloved? or fairest among the women... What is your beloved more than another beloved that you so charge us? Her desire for God made the people of Jerusalem the saints tell her, Who's your beloved that you love him so much? And why do you love him so much? You know, in, 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 in Ezekiel 16, 14, it says, Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord. Like, she's talking to the saints, and the saints telling her, who's that beloved that you love so much? And why do you love him so much? And why he's so special to you? What she does not realize, even though she's in a state of recovering from lukewarmness, the soul is so beautiful already. And this tells us exactly, kind of, what does the saints do for us exactly? And the saints do for us four things. Number one, they increase the soul desire for God. What are they telling the soul? They're telling her, who is the beloved that you love him so much? It's almost like they're telling her, there is, no belie- there is no beloved like God, like yours. How did you lose him? How did you leave him outside? How did you leave him in the nights? And that night could be a month and years. So part of it, they increase your desire for God. How, how, this is a beautiful. Who is that beloved that you sh- that you lost? The other part is they encourage her. Why they encourage her? Look at what they're saying: "O fairest among women." Who used to call her "O fairest among women"? The Lord Himself. You are so beautiful in His eyes. We know that you have a special relationship with God. And then the charges. What does it mean? you charges. They make us want to. Uh, uh, they make us want to talk to them about who got to us. You know, Saint Mary, I cannot express to you how much I love God. He's so beautiful. You know, so I want to share with you that sharing of. How much we love God, and they also, in a way, intercede for us, like in the wedding of Cana, and like the book of James said, Elijah was a man like us. He prayed, and God changed the rain. They charge us, intercede for us, and the last thing, which is very important, the saints. Encourage us to talk about God. What are the saints are telling her? Who is your beloved? So, what is she gonna do? The next week we'll see her talking about my beloved, how he looks like and how beautiful he is, and how amazing he is, and 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 it's like so beautiful. The relationship with the saints is a way for me to share that very deep love with those who can understand it. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart.